Okay, we hardy few. Let's begin our uh, Iowa City City Council work session for Tuesday, October the 3rd, 2017. The first topic is to review our remaining pending work session topics. And by way of introduction, I should say that Jeff and I had a conversation about this, uh, I don't know, a week ago, and thought it would be fruitful to go through the remaining work session or uh, uh, yeah, pending work session topics and see if we can winnow them down and kind of clear off some of the uh, some of the items uh, pretty uh, mm, what's the right word well quickly so anyhow that's where we're at so we can go through them one by one from the top and see what folks have to say Jeff, do you want to talk us through this, or should I? I, you care? I I'm happy to elaborate as needed, but I think you can just work your way down. Okay, so I'll, I'll just read the, the, the description of the topic and Jeff's recommendation, I guess, and we'll go from there. So the first one is significantly improve the council's and staff's ability to engage with diverse populations on complex or controversial topics. And Jeff uh, indicates things we've already done and uh, recommends that we identify specific topics for the staff to address and remove the topic from the pending list. So I would agree with removal. Um, my only question is, is where are we at on the star rating system that we talked about using? Well, we are using it. Yeah. We're, we're certified. We were um, certified last year, maybe a year and a half ago. If in I'm, March, I think. Okay. Um, and there's a recertification process every couple, two years? Every two years. So at this point, staff has identified, based on our last score, areas that we think we can improve upon. Um, we've taken some steps. Um, so that when we reapply, we think we can get a stronger score. An example would be the open space study that we're doing now, the, the open space plan through Parks and Rec. That'll put us in a position to address some of the, the, the point categories that we weren't able to last time. And there's several other areas that staff's working to um, improve upon as well. I guess the reason why I ask that is from my, from my feedback, having that information as it relates to this particular topic, I think we can remove it, but I think that if it is housed or we come back through that lens, I think I'd be okay with it from a measurable standpoint. I should add to that that um, we are participating in the STARS annual um, dashboard index. So in addition to recertifying every couple of years, we submit data on 21 key indicators to STAR every year. You can actually go to the STAR website and compare our 21 indicators with any of the other participating cities. So there's an annual component to that as well. Well, in, her, in his commentary, Jeff identifies various things we have already done. So if you are, council members are aware of other things we've done that you want to highlight, maybe you could state them. But what Jeff identifies in his commentary is the Economic Development Committee's focus groups uh, concerning TIF. Also, the fact that we televise the, the Economic Development Committee meetings from this room. Enhanced video work on current topics, the channel, stuff that Channel 4 has been doing uh, really beautifully, <coughs> and other specific strategies that are identified in the strategic plan update. But are, are there other things that immediately come to your minds that 
hopefully you found the Hieronymus one-page summary that Wendy pulled together um, is, is helpful. Um, that, I mean, I think that's another example of us attempting to break down a pretty complex development agreement with TIF funding into simpler terms and graphics. Yep. Extremely helpful. I think it's one of those areas we just have to keep kind of on the top of our mind as we're going through things um, and thinking about is there, you know, are there better or different ways to communicate with the public so they have a better understanding or, um, or if they're controversial issues that we, you know, take that time to find ways to engage with the public and, and try and work through those issues. I don't know that I see a need to keep it on the work session list at this point. I would agree. Okay. Hi, Pauline. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I guess we're done with that one. All right. Thanks. The next one is to identify an, uh, an achievable goal for the provision of affordable housing in Iowa City and implement strategies to achieve this goal. Jeff explains the difficulty in defining goals, especially with regard to uh, where's, where's the words I'm after? Uh, uh, cost burden households. Uh, you're going into great detail about that. Well, I, I, we can do a units, we could create a units created type of metric um, and every year look at that. Um, and, and Tracy can explain this much better than I can. We've had this conversation. Um, it, it's difficult because even the units created, there's there's variables in there that, that can, can be misleading. So if you have a 10-year affordability period compared to a 30-year affordability period, that's going to drive your costs up. If you're looking at a 30% uh, median income target versus an 80%, that's all going to influence the cost per unit. So you might do five units um, that have long affordability times for extremely low income individuals, and that metric may not look good compared to 20 units at 10-year affordability for 80%. So it's that it's that meaningful metric that we're after. Um, and um, Ashley and Simon and I were talking about this this morning. Tracy and I have talked about it. I think there's some indexes out there that we can look at to see um, how the overall indicators are moving and, and the percentage of cost burden households. I know is something that, that Tracy thinks uh, um, is very important. That's one example of something that we can track. So hopefully all the changes that we're making and the additional funding that we're putting towards this issue, um, we start to see that needle move a little bit. Um, but it's, we, we, we struggle to come back to you and say we should target X number of units. I think, I think that's very difficult um, for us to do it, and have it be meaningful. Well, I, I can say that I understand that, and it would be especially challenging. But I think it would be very helpful to have um, reported to us information about trends in the overall affordability of housing in Iowa City, having to do with prices and rents in the city and what the trends are. Because uh, I, I certainly hear concerns that really are about the overall affordability. And, and then it, the, the problem descends uh, down the income ladder and becomes especially severe the, the lower your income is. But still, I hear concerns about the overall affordability of housing. So I think it would be helpful to have 
those indicators reported to us on a regular basis. Yeah. Related to that, Jim, the other thing that I would like clarification is, is the relationship to affordability and supply. Um, a lot of people have discussed the need to increase the supply as a way of enhancing affordability. But I think for me, it would get, be helpful to sort of assess really what that downward slope is, if at all, um, if that's readily available information. <clears throat> Well, I mean, unless that's too complicated, because that's directly what you're talking about, Jim, because we often hear that in a lot of our discussions, that we need to increase the supply of housing and that that will have a downward pressure. Um, but we've never really been precise about what that downward pressure is or where that data comes from. So can we do this, Jeff? Can we have y'all, and I guess I should be speaking to council first, can we do, it sounds like we need, it sounds like we need a work session on what we want to see. I mean, basically, I hear a couple of things that I, I actually agree with, but ultimately, I feel like, you know, maybe staff can prepare us with a memo as far as a couple of different indicators, and then we can have a conversation as far as, or are there additional things that we want to look at um, in view as well? Because um, going back to your point, Jim, I, I think that all your points are necessary. And so, you know, I, I was more thinking of, about what you were saying and actually was rocking you were saying, like having some type of almost some um, quarterly status report um, that's associated either within our strategic planning packet or maybe separately. Um, but I think we need to talk about exactly what we're asking of staff before we move forward. And, and that's what we're doing. We're, we're preparing for that. So when you do your next strategic plan, we hope to present with you at that, right at the outset, these indicators. And really, to, to be fair to you all, you you asked for this with your last strategic plan and, and staff didn't, we didn't deliver, we didn't get uh, uh, as far as we needed to with the metrics. but. We are looking at about six or seven different community health indicators, um, environmental, public safety, housing affordability, the economy, um, and trying to come up with about a dozen indicators that have data sources that are updated on a regular basis that we could present to you with those strategic plan updates in the future. So I think, Kingsley, we're already doing what you're looking for, and we would suggest that we present those to you when you start your strategic plan discussions. And then depending on where you take your strategic plan, you may want to modify those uh, indicators a little bit. I will say most of the data is updated annually at best. It's rare to find a data source that's updated quarterly, but they may be updated at different periods throughout the year. So if you're getting quarterly updates, you might notice a change in a couple of indicators. Yeah, I would say in addition to the um, indicators, which sound like a good idea, kind of a yearly checkup, you know, taking the temperature and so forth. Um, if not, establishing goals, at least establishing or, or reporting on our achievements, I think is a useful metric. You know, we've generated X number of dwellings, you know, that are considered affordable by the one standard. We've created X number of workforce housing units and so on and so forth. Um, just so that we all understand, you know, what what we've done, and I think we have been doing that. It may not be consolidated in one location, though. It is. It just hasn't been advanced to you yet. Tracy has submitted that to to, to me, and I'm oh. reviewing that. Um, so it should be coming to you, and that's something we plan to do annually. And that'll be projects that um, that we fund directly, uh, that we fund indirectly through, say, the trust fund, um, or that are created because of some regulatory environment, like the inclusionary zoning ordinance. So. Stay tuned, it's coming. Okay. 
Okay, are we comfortable with uh, awaiting the material we get for our next strategic planning meeting and then perhaps deciding, well, deciding what we want to do in addition to whatever the information is that we get from Jeff? Okay, good enough. The next one is to determine the scope of a council-identified complete streets study. Uh, Jeff, why don't you summarize this? Jeff, it's kind of a long paragraph. Yeah, the, um, uh, the complete street study came up um, when the strategic plan was created and ultimately when you were crafting your first budget as a council. Um, at that time, there was no specific scope placed to that. Um, we do have the complete streets line item and we have been using that to fund various projects. For instance, the restriping on Sycamore, I believe, was, was funded in part with uh, those dollars. Um, we don't have any studies, per se, uh, that, that are going on other than the Gilbert Street study that, that's, um, that we just had a public meeting on. Um, so if there is a corridor that you want to study, we just need to know that and begin to work that into our plan. Otherwise, we're moving forward with the complete streets line item and potentially additional funds in the upcoming budget to implement the bike master plan. Essentially, that bike master plan serves in large part as a complete streets study. Um, and we want to make sure we start checking those projects off. Okay, thoughts about this, folks? Well, this was one that, you know, Jeff said goes back to the strategic plan. I can't even remember how we talked about it at that point. But uh, I did generate a memo to council in March trying to clarify, at least in my mind, where I thought we were going with this. And it really wasn't focused on looking at a particular transportation corridor. It was really uh, suggesting that we needed to, as a council, discuss the complete streets policy, uh, both in general terms. You know, we have a complete streets policy already in place. Uh, it would be a discussion of that. I think it would also be a discussion of what that policy means in terms of uh, roadway design standards. You know, in that memo, I talked about a number of a number of those standards, and and that what we have now are, you know, in that uh, reference that I had in that memo, four different standards to choose from, and I don't know where we as a council or as a staff stand on those, and and so I felt it's important, particularly in that we're moving forward on a bike master plan. Um, which to me also kind of indirectly affects walkability, you know, kind of the pedestrian experience. We have a park master plan, which is trying to emphasize connectivity, you know, that you live in a neighborhood, but, you know, you have these, these parks that you need to access. Can you safely access them? Uh, safe routes to schools, a whole range of issues that I think um, I'm really pleased we have in the last year and a half come up with some excellent plans. Now I think we're kind of moving into an implementation phase, and I feel the the question of our street design is one where uh, those standards are going to be very important in terms of ensuring that the the network, say we generate in our bike master plan, is in fact comfortable and safe. Um, and then I think uh, the third thing I would say is we we need to look at our performance measures just as we're talking about on some of these other items. Um, you know, I was just, it was kind of prompted from a listening post I went to with, with Jim 
um, I was looking at the uh, collision data from our last uh, fiscal budget, and the in the last year there were tw over 2,400 collisions. Are we okay with that? I mean, do we feel that's just sort of business as usual? Um, you know, one of the reasons I think we're advocating for uh, road diets is there's pretty good documentation that collision rates go down. Um, so I think we need to talk about what those metrics might be. I think clearly collisions would be one. Currently, we don't track that, to my knowledge. I mean, we report it, but we're not saying, oh, it's gone up or it's gone down, and uh, you know, what, what's the trend? So, so that was what I had in mind, and that's what I'm thinking could be the subject of the work session. Yeah, and, and we do we do track those, um, and we do use that data to influence work plans within the city. So if we see particular intersections that are problematic, that'll inform public improvements. So you know, for example, the the planned Mormon Trek and the First Avenue Road diets, there were some safety grants. We had to articulate the the need for those, and, and you you all have seen some of those presentations. Um, I agree that that. Um, those traffic numbers we can and that's part of the community indicators that we're looking at in terms of our transportation network that we can report those to you a little better than we have in the past so john am i understanding you correctly that you think we should keep this on our pending list of work session topics and that the the um, we should ask the staff to describe for us our current complete streets policy and be clear about what the roadway design standards are in, in, uh, in association with mm -hmm. that policy. Uh, and then maybe um, uh, make sure that we are aware that there are other standards that could be applied, and we'd have to discuss whether we wanted to apply them. I mean, that's what I hear you saying. Is that, is that, is that correct? I think we, we yeah, that. There are, there are these different standards, and um, depending on the context of any particular project, you know, either one or another may apply. Um, you know, and so I think it's something where I feel, as a council, right now we're not really part of that discussion. You know, staff develops a design for a particular street, and um, the, the um, design parameter, with the exception of the gateway, uh, the design parameters for that street are not really uh, something that we have any involvement in. You know, our park, our, our streets projects don't through, go through any kind of commission process. They're they're simply generated through through staff review uh, without the particip participation of the. Uh, do, do you want us to be reviewing? individual streets no that's what i don't want i want standards, standards. developed so that right. so it's, it's clear uh, that what staff is applying to a particular project we we can certainly come to you and say and explain what our current standards are um, if you take a peek ahead at your pending work session list on the um it's at the 17th uh, the next meeting um, the mayor and i talked about having um uh, Ron Kanucky come up and talk about the uh, SUDAS, uh, State Urban-Wide Design something standards. Um, <laughs> forgot the A in that, Ron, sorry. Um, the, um, but, but basically have him explain uh, the review process that is currently underway um, internally here. Um, it's, it's 
pretty much done at the public works level and starting to filter into some of the other departments. But that's where our road design standards and several other design standards um, are, um, uh, are, are incorporated into uh, that SUDAS package. So our goal would be you know, for that work session is one, we can tell you where we're currently at with road design standards. Two, give you a very high level overview of what SUDAS is um, and why we're going through that review explain to you that we don't have to take SUDAS as it is presented, that we can make local amendments to it. So if you don't like a particular standard within the SUDAS document, if you think the lane widths are too wide or whatever it may be, that we can modify those to match another standard. But, but just give you a sense of where we're at in that review and make sure that you're comfortable with the direction that we're going. So I think we'll spend considerable time at the next work session talking about that. Is, is that what you're after? I think so. I mean, it's <laughs> without knowing precisely what, um, how that conversation will play out. As I said, I, I view it as kind of a three-part discussion, uh, reviewing the our current complete streets policy, uh, and then the question of what are the, our recommended roadway design standards, and then follow, uh, fo finally the performance measures that we will employee going forward to ensure it's all about you know we have a policy but is there a disconnect in terms of how we implement our projects which result in um, you know an outcome that's contrary to our policy so you know everything has to be kind of aligned so that we are in a we both feel we have a, a standard that when applied will result in safer streets, uh, but at the same time, we still need to measure it. Because if we don't measure it, if we don't determine that you know, the outcomes are in fact trending in the direction we want them to trend, we may need to reevaluate our standards. John, when you, say our, when you say our policy, you're talking about council's policy. Or are you saying that currently we're not following the standards that we should be, we, we have currently? We, um, what I'm suggesting is we don't know. You know we, we, we do have a complete streets policy. Uh, I, I read it today. I think, generally speaking, the policy seems sound. Um, the question in my mind is, is our practice aligned with achieving the outcomes we would expect given our policy? Jeff, you're saying we'll have that discussion with the SUDAS. Well, com the complete streets policy and the design standards, while related, are two separate animals. Are we um, going to, so do we have time for both? Sure. I mean, we could, we could, we could do high level overviews of both. Um, what is a complete streets policy and then what are, again, what are our current standards and where is staff going with our review of those current standards? I'm not prepared to give you a recommendation on road design, new standards, but we can at least tell you where we think we're going. Um, and we have not talked at all about performance standards, but it's something that we can give some thought to and have a dialogue with you about. Well, I think that from this meeting, I'm hearing you, John, we may need to be thinking about how we craft that or what are some of the metrics. I mean, maybe it's, we don't necessarily have that guidance yet. It's just us kind of right. talking about it first. Yeah, I, I think what may need to part, be part of that discussion, which includes the state standards, would be uh, a discussion um, and presentation regarding uh, a s not for the four standards which were in that memo I sent in March, but at least one uh, that would be more 
consistent with what that memo referred to as more pedestrian-oriented standards. The SUDA standards are very auto-oriented. It's kind of a, you know, a roadway that's designed primarily with the function of automobiles in mind. The NACTO standards, for example, are more pedestrian-oriented. So I think it would be useful to, at a minimum, have two, two guidelines as, as part of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, um, I don't know that it would be too difficult. And I looked around and Jason, to, you know, we could, we could put together a matrix of the umpteen number of design standards that are out there. And, There's already and a matrix. All, that, and how yeah. they compare, we, we, we can do that. I'm just, I don't want to suggest to you that we're at the point where we can make a staff recommendation on those road designs. This was more of an introduction to SUDAS, which is more than road design, um, but a, 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 just a broad inter introduction to, to let you know where we're going. Um, you know, if, if council doesn't want to wait for that review and wants to say this is the standard we want, I could probably save a lot of time on staff's end in, in, in doing this, but um, those are complicated. There's a lot of interwoven parts to those design standards, um, and um, we're just not quite ready to make that recommendation yet. So however you want to proceed is fine. I would suggest the, the complete streets and the road design, we could, we could tackle them in one work session, but I think you need to look at those separately. They get tied together, I think, when it comes to the performance metrics. You, you want those speaking to each other, but um, it's going to be two very different reviews. It sounds to me like we might need to have a follow-up session sometime in the late winter or something like that after the new council comes into office. Yeah, I, I, I think February should, or March. Yeah, I mean, I think what I was going to say, Jim, too, is I think we start with what you and Jeff have already talked about for the work session in two weeks. And then once we've gone through all of that, we can kind of get a sense of where we, how much more we may or may not feel we need to do after that. And then yeah. waiting till um, after the new council is in place probably <coughs> makes sense. We've got kind of plenty of other stuff to do in the meantime. Okay, does that make sense, Jeff? We can proceed that way. Did anybody object? Anybody want to weigh in some more? No, I agree. Okay, dope. We'll move to the next topic. Discuss expe uh, expectations for working with uh, the school district, Kirkwood, Iowa Works, labor organizations, and others to explore the feasibility of an industrial arts crafts facility in Iowa City. Uh, I know Jeff's had conversations with uh, the superintendent, and uh, that hasn't led to any uh, apparent opportunities that we could really pursue. But, uh, Rockney, I know you have... Uh, yeah, I would like to yeah, keep this on. I, just a, couple, a week or so ago, had a very good discussion with Steve Miller and Phil Hemingway, and they had also mentioned Kirk Cheney of the Makerspace. So what I would like to do is, is, that, um, is to keep it on for the purpose of deciding um, whether we would like to have a citizen-led committee to come back with a set of recommendations as to some type of facility. I mean, we already have Mr. Cheney's facility is started, um, and Mr. Miller has followed the Makers Movement for a long time, um, very plugged into it. And I understand, Jim, he actually generated a proposal for you, um, and I think he would probably put it in one of our work packets. So the way I would view it is that the citizen-led committee would not cost anything, um, but they would just give us a recommendation as to perhaps whether we could start with a much, much smaller 
vision. Because um, I think one of the things maybe staff was thinking, like with this type of facility, we're talking big. I think maybe that's sort of what staff was thinking based upon our failure to be more clear in terms of really what we were looking at. But I think if we would start small, establish the concept, build with the community groups, I think we could at least get some recommendations in terms of where our makerspace policy should be. One anecdote that Mr. Miller had shared to me, um, and he was the metals teacher evidently for City High um, for several years, retired about nine years ago, um, but the number of employers that he says that, that, that he's talked to to talk about the lack of skilled labor um, in the city of Iowa City, and at least he felt that the makerspace concept would at least be one small step to move forward on that. But again, the devil's always in the details. And so if we could do a work session on that for purposes of talking about what type of committee we'd like to have, to come back with a set of recommendations, um, I think would still be really helpful. So I, I would like to at least keep this on um, our work session list. Can you clarify a little bit what you mean by a citizen-led committee? <laughs> Well, an ad hoc committee, I guess, is sort of what I'm thinking of. Um, I mean, I don't know, uh, you know, we had had the Racial Justice Committee, and I understand that that had some staff involvement with it, um, but some relatively small committee between five and seven members. But in terms of exactly how that would function, I think that would be a good topic of a work session, so we'd be able to get the feedback from staff in terms of what's feasible and, what not, and what's not. Um, but what I'm thinking is, is that I think they already have put a lot of thought into it, terms of what's feasible. I know there's been at least some conversations with Mr. Cheney um, that we could get at least, a, at least a memo generating sort of what the next action step should be and, and what the potential cost for embers could be. And, and you're thinking initially this would be a temporary committee? And, yeah. And maybe that would be it too? Yeah, and, and it may be that they come back with a recommendation and we say, look, that's just not, it's not feasible. We don't have the budget for it. It's too big, that sort of thing. But they may come back, and I think this is what's going to happen, that they'll come back with a relatively modest proposal that's doable that we can get done and get started and get moving on to at least get started and then leave this discussion to a more complicated facility at another day. <clears throat> what do the rest of you think? And Jeff, I know you should weigh in too on this. I'm just a little confused as far as uh, who you would be gearing this towards. Uh, younger, like kids fresh out of high school, middle-aged, uh, people trying to find another type of position. Because uh, I know there was talk with the bond issue that City High would uh, perhaps reinstitute an industrial arts classroom, which would be great. And I, I just I wouldn't want to step on the toes of the uh, apprenticeship program. So there's the, the, the plumbing apprenticeship, there's electrical, there's the carpentry, all those kinds of apprenticeship programs, which I'd like to see maybe the schools and the counselors in the schools emphasizing that more and working with those trade unions to, to get um, young folks interested in that. Uh, and that may be the recommendation that should, there should be greater participation with the apprenticeship programs. Um, I talked with Phil Hemingway about it. Um, he certainly didn't think there was any conflict. And in terms of who would be the beneficiary of it, I think anyone interested in industrial education. I know Mr. Miller's been retired now for nine years. Um, he highlighted, actually, of all things, a makerspace in Dubuque, um, which evidently some of the sisters are getting into making uh, various projects as well. Uh, so I don't think that in terms of the, but I think, I mean, hopefully it would be students interested in industrial education, um, whether they're out of high school or that sort of thing. But I think the committee would come back with us, anyone with an interest in that particular topic. So Eleanor, you have to help me here because I may be, you know, stepping on some boundaries. But I don't. I, I guess for me, I, I think that that's a, a. I feel like it's a school district issue. Like I feel like if we're talking about industrial education, and thinking about kind of what your point was, Pauline, 
around, I'm not opposed to it. I guess I'm just trying to think through who, basically whose responsibility. I mean, that's what I'm, that's my main question that keeps coming into my mind is who, who shoulders responsibility? And my feeling here is, and I'm not necessarily in, this is not my area, um, industrial ag or industrial education, but I just feel like, you know, this is an issue that I know Director Hemingway has been bringing up publicly at mm -hmm. um, school board meetings, and I don't necessarily know if he's got any traction, whatever the case may be. I, I guess I, I don't, I don't want to battle here um, between city council and school board. And but the point you know, is, we don't know what that's going to be. I mean, I would envision, and the, and the committee may come back with that recommendation. Would be my thing. They they may say that. So the I, only thing that I have with that, Rockney, is that you know, for any citizen or any resident that wants to bring a particular proposal to us, they would have had to you know put considerable legwork behind it before we would move forward on a committee. I mean, for me, I feel like it's almost putting us in a position of wanting us to do the work without them having kind of concrete plans as far as how they want to move forward in that particular way. I think that's where it seemingly has failed on the other end because there isn't really, you know, wanting to do something is great, but how to do it is obviously always going to be the issue. And I, I guess I'm just not seeing the how right now. So, I mean, I'm, again, I don't want to, you know, the, somebody to watch this and say I'm not supportive of industrial education. I, I think, frankly, I think it needs to be a consideration from an overarching standpoint with ICAD because I think Mark Nolte has these conversations every single time about a skilled workforce. The issue is here, I just don't, I don't know if we're the vehicle to, to move that forward. I'm not saying that we're not. I just want to be concrete about if we are, why are we well, compared to some of the other areas? I guess. I know there's a, just one quick response to that. I mean, the starting point for this is essentially the strategic plan where we talked about coordination with the other educational institutions. So, um, you know, I, I guess a citizen-led committee to come back with a set of recommendations, we may reject all of them and come to that conclusion. I don't think that would be too time intensive. I guess piggybacking kind of went on what Kingsley has said, you know, and who should take the lead on something like this. Um, and and I think with all of us, I think I, I believe that we all support you know the skilled trades. We we need more people. The apprenticeship programs are having trouble you know getting people. I've had some discussions with Jeff on that of how we could coordinate some things potentially. But I, I agree with Kingsley that I don't I don't see that this is necessarily something that the city council should be stepping out and taking the actual lead on. Um, one one of my concerns is in doing that, do we give people the impression that we are going to be the solution to this incredibly huge problem? I would like to see more along the lines of what Kingsley has said. If there are people in the community that are really committed to this and want to see some kind of uh, facility developed and programming, <coughs> Let them kind of take the initiative and then then look to us potentially as a partner, look to the school district potentially as a partner, look to the labor unions potentially as partners. But I, I think there's certain things that the council maybe shouldn't be taking the lead on, and I think this is one of those. I would certainly welcome hearing from a, a community group that had kind of figured out some of this stuff and said, hey, can we bring these different entities together to help solve this problem? Then yeah, let's have a discussion and see if there's a, a reasonable place for the city to be involved in that. Uh, Terry, uh, John? 
You know, I, I'll be honest, I haven't. This is sort of an area where I certainly have an interest in the outcome. I think the, the whole question of improving the competency of our community in terms of industrial arts is critical. Um, but how we get there is, is a real question to me. I don't really um, know what role the city has with that. Uh, one, I think the apprenticeship opportunities mentioned in the um, commentary is something that I know Fred Meyer has spoken of, you know, that if we expand some of the, or not expand, but incorporate it in, into some of the edible landscape projects, uh, some skilled crafts building landscape structures, things of that sort, which are then uh, serve as apprentice opportunities to Iowa City's youth. Um, that's a role I think the city can play for sure if we can try to leverage uh, projects that, that are on city property to create apprentice, apprenticeship opportunities. I, I think that's something really worth exploring. Um, but yeah, I'm, try, I'm thinking of, say, the Artifactory, where there is kind of a group that's working on this, trying to develop you know, a vision for how to achieve their facility. And in that instance, city, city council is not playing a role. So I, other than, you know, we're, we're in the loop, but we're not, you know, we're not actually creating a, a committee or endorsing a committee for that discussion to take place. Okay. Well, let me mention a couple of things. Uh, I think this appears in our strategic plan because of a conversation I had with Phil way back when, and I, I think I asked to have it put in the strategic plan. I can't remember now, it's too long ago. Uh, but subsequently I, subsequently, I had a conversation with both Phil and Steve Miller, as you indicated, Rockney. And Steve, uh, after a few weeks, gave me some written material. Uh, I, I went through it fairly quickly, shared it with Jeff. Uh, Jeff, I'm sure, read it. And, and then subsequently, Jeff has had some conversations with the superintendent. And it's my understanding that there's not much interest at, this, at the school district level in terms of proceeding. So I'm hearing what Susan and Kingsley have said about who really should take the lead on something like this. And it was never my intention that Iowa City would take the lead. What I hoped we could do is collaborate with some other entities to, uh, to ensure that some a facility, uh, generally speaking, of this type would be uh, made available in Iowa City. But I never intended for us to take the lead. So I'm, I'm not really sure how but, we can but, proceed. But again, I think yeah. the committee doesn't necessarily mean we're taking the lead. I mean, it may be, it may identify other entities. I mean, it may identify a nonprofit. Um, I think by convening. us setting up a community committee, yeah, we're taking too. the lead. Yeah. I, All I right, think well. we, we could invite them to Put a little more flesh on the bones, so to speak. Okay. Um, recognizing it needs to be a collaborative endeavor. And, and press the new and press the new school board as well. I mean, I think that's ultimately there's a new school board, uh, school board members, and new school board generated. Um, I, I feel like this is something that they could or should take on. Um, and focusing on some of the comments that even Pauline had identified that came out of the the bond discussion as well. Um, that's kind of that going back to that accountability. I, I yeah, I, I just don't want 
I agree with Susan as well. I don't want people to be looking at us for this. And I think this is a systemic issue, which I think we need to, I just think the school needs to be involved more. I think the school needs to do it, honestly, frankly. It's a national problem. It's not just Iowa City. There was just a report on this week that I watched that the trades are very, but a lot of it has to do with the unemployment rate too. It's so low that the people that are left, it's, it's tough to get people to step up or change a job to go into these trades. So yeah, I, I understand what you're saying that we need to get some more information, but once again, we really can't be the lead. Uh, well, I, okay, I, I think the uh, sense of the council is pretty clear, uh, but, uh, but I do think, tell me if I'm wrong, we would be eager to collaborate with Kirkwood, the school district, labor unions, and unions sure. et cetera, to help make that kind of facility happen. I would qu yes. qualify that, that we would be willing, we would be very eager to consider collaborating. Again, the devils are in the details on that. I just... Uh, yeah, I understand. Yeah, if it was a $12 million facility, <laughs> right, and, uh, yeah. which is not the case, but yeah. Okay, next item is review the child data snapshot and discuss related strategies with local stakeholders. So this is mine. Um, I told Jeff already, I think, in the email to remove it. Uh, basically, it goes back to our current rating system and just making sure we're looking at metrics. Um, and I thought that the child data snapshot provided an interesting metric that we needed to pay attention to. But if we're already working towards that um, in, in lieu of the strategic plan, remove. Any objection to that? Nope. OK, so we'll do that. The next item is to discuss creation of an ad hoc committee on social justice and racial equity. So this is mine uh, before, as well. Bef oh. Before you say it, uh, Jeff notes that uh, we have a, a city manager's roundtable and that it, we could perhaps officially designate it, may, maybe rename it and uh, give it an explicit charge. So I was just gonna say, yes, I agree. <laughs> I, I, that's, it's kind of, I, I remember us having this discussion during the strategic planning session and I think ultimately I wanted something different um, out of the roundtable discussion. Um, not to say that the roundtable discussion is bad. I just wanted something different as it relates to social justice and racial equity. And so I think for me, um, it needs to be removed from the list. Um, and I think I need to be more clear about what I, what I mean by that, because I don't think I gave a good, a good description as far as what I had in mind moving forward. I mean, some of that was in regards to our social justice and racial equity grant and having a committee that would review some of those um, proposals as they put forth. But that goes through what committee, Jeff? Human rights. Human rights. And so that got switched over a little bit. And so there was not a need to do it a separate committee now. And so now the reasoning behind having it is a little bit different. And this is kind of out of the Seattle model. Um, but they don't also have a city manager's roundtable. And so I would, uh, I would agree with kind of the recommendation from Jeff and staff as far as um, considering a city council liaison and maybe renaming the group. But I also want to make sure that it's, it's something that we talk to them about as well. It's not something that, you know, we just do. So I would say, for me at least, um, removing this and just kind of reconsidering um, the city manager roundtable. 
I guess one thing I want to be um, clear on in terms of, I guess, how I view this, I think the, the roundtable is effective in part because it's informal. Um, it's flexible. People are coming and going. Um, we'll get new faces at, at, at times, and people will drop off for a couple of months and then come back in. Um, so I, I, I still want to, would, would want to keep it informal, which is why just having a, a council liaison to that um, uh, I think makes sense. But in reality, anything that comes up at that group, if they're working on things, if it needs to filter up to the city council, it certainly will. Uh, much of the focus that we have on that is operational aspects, parks, library, senior center. We get into those types of discussions. But certainly as community issues come up or as um, other issues are identified, having a council liaison on the committee um, I don't think hurts at all and, and plugs you into some of those um, more detailed discussions that we're having. So it would not be uh, as formal as something like the Human Rights Commission? Correct. Uh, but would it have a, an official title? We'd have to probably get recommendations about what its charge should be. You make an allusion to that here. Yeah, we, we really don't have a chair of the group. Stephanie right. Bowers um, oversees it. She she programs the agenda. She she talks to the the group. We survey the group once or twice a year to see what topics they're interested in. But um, there there is no charge in terms of a scope. There's no charge. Um, so if there's a specific charge that the council wants, then I think you're probably getting into that formal policy where now you're getting into open meetings and things of that nature. Um, I, I think know, there's I, a, I think there's a lot of benefit to the informal aspect of the round table. I think it, I, and I, my one question about a council liaison is does, and Jeff, you'll have to ask, you know, answer this or think about it in light of the people that are coming to those meetings. Does the presence of a counselor impact the discussions? And if that's going to impact, you know, the openness, and if you if you and staff have built relationships there, and if if having a counselor there is going to have any kind of negative impact or have people hold back at all in terms of open and honest discussions, then then I think we need to take that into consideration before we would you know consider doing it. I don't think so. I really don't. Now, if it if it gets to the point where there's a specific charge and it triggers open meetings and there's minutes being taken and rec then yes it probably does then I'd probably have that concern but uh, a single council liaison no um, and I think it'd be appropriate that, that the council liaison report on you know high level here's what we talked about at the round table during during these meetings uh, so that the full council knows those it, topics. it meets once a month typically um, yeah, I think typically we probably probably about nine or ten times a year uh, would be my guess. We skip a couple of months. I know I've sat in on uh, I don't know probably on average one out of every three roundtables. Yeah. And yeah, I never say anything really, but, but my, I don't think the conversation has been influenced okay. by me being there. Just want to raise the question. Yeah. Yeah, I'm supportive of. I I mean I don't know if we really need to rename it if we if we're going to keep it as an informal I think we want to be careful that we don't rename it something that makes it sound like it's more formal and is policy oriented that misleads people so I don't know I kind of like the city manager's roundtable 
so kind of this is one of the issues, and this, I'm more kind of throwing this out from a question standpoint. So I think about kind of you know environmental justice or um, how we couple sustainability with um, social justice, and then I wonder where that goes because I think that. There's a part of that, I think, that's focused from the climate, climate Action Committee standpoint, but then I feel like there's their conversation is so detail-oriented. And so is that something that that group could take on? Because they have, I mean, you said they taken on multiple tasks in the past. Yeah, I think uh, we're having a roundtable tomorrow, right? And one of the topics is the climate, an update. I think Ashley's going to provide an update on the, the, the climate plan. Uh, the climate committee and their work. So that's exactly what we try to do. We just try to work them into uh, the current topics at City Hall, make sure they're aware of what's going on, they know how to participate. Um, if they've got feedback at that uh, particular lunch, they can provide it there, and, and Ashley and Brenda can take it back to the committee. So, um, so I'm basically, based on that, I'm just going to say just remove it altogether. I mean, I think it's appropriate kind of how it stands. Remove it. From this list, not the city council, not the city manager's roundtable, just from the list in general. I thought you were going to say something about the name. <laughs> no, I'm okay with the name also. The name being social justice and racial equity? No, I'm city, city manager's roundtable, just leaving it as, as is. Okay, what are the rest? I mean, it's not a huge is, thing, I don't think. Fine. But, but uh, concur. Uh, rest of you okay with just continuing yeah. that name? Concur. It's working. Do you think we should uh, appoint a city council liaison to it? No, I don't think so. I think. I mean, you talked about sitting in on meetings. I, I mean, I, I need to sit on some meetings. I mean, I think that we can leave it at that. Honestly, as long as there's just one there. If anybody has an interest, yeah. just let me know, and I can, I mean, I can plug you in and let you know, hey, we're, yeah, we're meeting. Yeah, I just got on the mailing list, so to speak, oh, and no, uh, Stephanie tells mm. me. Okay, well, I hear that we're going to keep the name, we're going to um, not, not appoint a council member, okay. uh, and we're going to remove this particular topic from the pending list. That's what I hear? Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay, but th there's one little bit that I think we would encourage, and that is if they have recommendations, that pertain to, I don't know, social justice, racial sure. equity, and stuff being discussed by the manager, city manager's roundtable. We want to know about them. Understood. Okay. Next, joint meeting with the Telecommunications Commission. So I guess I'd like to take the lead on this one, if that's okay, since I think this was generated by my original discussion of municipal broadband. You know, I think you know, um, our broadband infrastructure is probably one of the most critical issues in the community. And I think it's very important that we get together with the Telecommunications Commission simply to identify where we are right now in terms of our municipal broadband policy. Um, we did have the IM on, um, what is it, two or three years ago. Um, we're bringing a new provider. Um, and so I think it's important that we do that. And whether it's municipal, private, or anything else, just to have that discussion, it's certainly a topic that I hear a lot about. Um, certainly from time to time we get complaints in terms of where we are, um, in terms of if our infrastructure is where it needs to be. So again, this would fall into the category of, of a relatively targeted meeting 
with the Telecommunications Commission simply to see where we are. Um, I would like in the future, and this is one of the things I'm going to push at our strategic plan, for a feasibility study of municipal broadband because I'm not ready to give up on that particular topic. Um, but I think that would be a second step. I think the first step is, as we recognized last spring, um, to have this discussion with the Telecommunications Commission. And if the report that we get from them is we're doing everything we can and we think we're where we need to be, um, I think I'd reconsider um, that request for a feasibility study. But I think it's important that we identify that infrastructure because it is a critical need that the community faces. I agree. I think we ought to keep it on the pending list, but we we deferred it mainly because we didn't have a full commission. And to the best of my knowledge, we still don't, but I'm not sure about that. Kelly, do you know? With one vacancy? Yeah, I'd, I'd much rather have a full yes, committee, a commission, uh, it, it, to be fair to them for, for one reason. But otherwise, I'd like to engage in that conversation with them. Mm -hmm. uh, any other opinions about this? I see a lot of nodding heads, but. Yeah. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. So once the commission's full, I don't know, and after the full commission's been there for a couple months or something, they've had a chance to meet each other, <laughs> get to know each other a little bit, maybe we can uh, you know, schedule a meeting with them. Okay. All right, next, discuss possible changes to on-street parking in core neighborhoods. So Jeff's recommendation is that we keep it on the pending list until staff review is complete. And uh, there, we've had some conversations, uh, uh, and John, Jeff, and I, and staff have had a, uh, one conversation in particular, and I'm sure the staff has gone into more detail. So keep it on the list. Do we have an approximate time frame as to when we're going to do the? Good question. We have, what, five meetings or something like that before the end of the year? I don't know if we I thought we were going to do it in there. October. Uh, well, we've, um, I don't think we'd be ready for your next meeting. And we had the SUDAS uh, discussion there. And, and we were going to update you on Gateway and a couple of the bigger capital projects at your next meeting. Um, we've got Lusk scheduled for November 21st, so um, I think we could shoot for that first meeting in November, um, which would be November 6th. I think that's the Monday meeting. Um, Kent and Ron and Jason, does that sound reasonable? Yeah. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Okay. I want to aim for yeah. Yeah, let's do that. November 6th on that? Okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, and the last one is code review in light of Lusk Avenue, and this is currently scheduled for November the 21st. Cool. Done with uh, this review of pending work session topics? That's great. All right. Well done, everybody. Next topic, clarification of agenda items. I'd like to make a request see what the rest of you think. Item 4D4, 4D4, that's the amendment regarding engineering consultant services for the Clinton-Burlington intersection. Uh, it's in the consent calendar. I, I'd like to pull it from the consent calendar and ask Kent or Ron to briefly describe what's, why, you know, where we are on it and what the, what the intent is with regard to this particular resolution and amendment, just so the public can hear that, so they can have a sense of what's going to happen with that intersection. Yes. 
Does it need to be pulled from consent, or can we have that conversation during consent? Any right. council member can. Would you say anyone can? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, any council member can. Or you're right, you can have the discussion as part of the consent calendar, too. It's just if you want to vote on it separately, it needs to be removed from the Yeah, consent. I don't think we need to vote on it separately. So, yeah, just the Okay, so if you can help me remember, then when we get into discussion of the consent calendar, uh, Ron, I'll ask you to come up and uh, talk about that. Okay. Okay, anything else in the, uh, you know, clarification of agenda items topic? Pretty straightforward. Okay, hearing no, uh, no further comments about that, we'll move to the info packet discussion, the September 21 packet. IP2. I um, thought you might touch on that. <laughs> I know, everybody thinks I only care about money. <laughs> I care about money because what we can do with the money. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I'm not surprised about this. Um, you know, the property tax cuts, the, the governor talking about ending the backfill. Um, we're gonna, fortunately, we've got ourselves in a good position with building our reserves, building our emergency fund. But I think in another two to three years, we may really be finding ourselves headed in the other direction in terms of having to either raise our taxes or potentially cut services, um, depending upon what the state does. So, Des Moines' response was interesting, I thought. I forget, I read this so long they, they, ago. They did have to raise the tax. Oh, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. <clears throat> so there was a response in the Des Moines Register a few days ago by somebody, I don't remember who, I should have made a copy of the, of the guest opinion. Uh, but the gist of the response was, um, cities are complaining too much. They say that uh, we should be really worried because our property tax revenues will be cut and therefore services will have to be cut or taxes will have to be increased. And this, the person who wrote this said, no, it's really not going to be the case. In fact, uh, if you look at the, the data, um, property tax revenues in general in the, this, the major cities in Iowa have been increasing despite cuts in property tax mandated by the state. So I'm not claiming I agree with that at all, but I think we, we need to have a response to that in mind. And I should have printed out a copy and shared it with you before the meeting, but I didn't. Do you know what I'm referring to, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the author is probably referring to you need to look at how tax bases are growing in the, in the cities. And despite the cuts, whether it's multifamily cuts or the threat of removal of backfill, has the taxable value in cities continued to because increase? Because property tax valuations are increasing. Right. Yeah, valuations are going on. There's there's continued growth, whatever the case may be, and um, the answer is going to differ from city to city. We're fortunate in that we've experienced some growth and that there's high demand for development in uh, this region. But in talking with a lot of other cities, they're not nearly as fortunate as we are to have, have the demand for growth that we, we are having right now. So it's hard to put a blanket statement on how these these decisions to cut taxes or to remove backfills affects cities because it affects everyone a little bit differently. There was some speculation at a recent uh, 
Metro Coalition meeting, and, and uh, you may have heard me mention that before, but Metro Coalition is an informal group of the 10 largest cities of Iowa. We collaborate on legislative priorities and whatnot, and there was some speculation that perhaps those cities that have experienced growth um, might lose their backfill, and the state would keep the backfill for those cities that um, have not had growth in their tax base at that time. So, you know, whether it's an even phase out or some sort of, um, you know, again, removal for those that don't need it, quote unquote, we don't really know. But clearly the conversation has shifted from it's protected to the cities need to come to the table and be a part of the solution, which means it's gone. <laughs> I, I was glad that Jeff, I think it was you, that um, had shared the article because seeing the figures was really an eye-opener, and it made me realize why Susan has been harping about this hmm. all year long because uh, other For cities... eight years. Yeah, not just this year, <laughs> eight years, okay. Because uh, other cities are feeling the pinch, too, and, and are afraid that they would have to increase property taxes or cut services. But I was happy to see in the article a um, comment from our own uh, representative, uh, Dave Jacoby from Coralville, uh, uh, talking about being the worst tax policy bill and, and that the back Phil is a promise that was made uh, to local governments, and he wants to see it honored. And, and it always helps to have an advocate. And uh, we, we should thank him for, for whatever he can do to, to help with that, to keeping that backfill in there. And, and obviously, as Susan has told us, keep on our toes. How far below the uh, one thing I found interesting in the article was this, the general fund levy limit and how many cities are already at the limit or an emergency levy status, uh, where are we with respect to that? We are maxed out on our 810 um, levy, which is what it's referring to here. We do not use the emergency levy at all. Did that answer your question? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> we are maxed. <laughs> okay, any, any further discussion about that topic? Not IP. I have a comment about IP5. Okay, go ahead. Um, I just really wanted to um, thank Simon and the staff for the wonderful work that they did. You know, when we have these conversations up here, it's always nice to see the memo come back, I think really capturing the spirit of the discussion. So I thought it was a very well done memo and um, looking forward to this, you know, ongoing budgeting process. Very good work. Yeah. Yeah, but Simon, 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 I keep hearing about Simon, like jumping off the side of a roof of a tall <laughs> building and things like that and rappelling down or something, I don't know. Hmm. It's getting all this publicity. <laughs> it was a great photograph of you mm -hmm. in the, the, the staff chat thing, yeah. Really fun to see. IP4, I, I was uh, glad to see that article too, the buses one, because uh, I think when I brought that up as a possible uh, budget item, I think people looked at me like I had two heads or something, like why would you want to do this or change our bus system? But there were many points in the article that kind of rang true to our community uh, and, and our corridor as far as the changing demographics. We are growing, we're spreading uh, east, west, north, south, and I think our bus uh, routes and times haven't kept up with that. And um, people complain about the congestion all the time in the city, and I think if we got more ridership, although that's something would be helpful to know. I don't think we've ever seen data as far as our ridership, or maybe from uh, the city, if we've heard anything from transit on the ridership, it'd be good to know. Um, 
and we also had gotten a letter again about the shelters and I know we are doing something about that uh, but it's it's kind of late in coming uh, for that person uh, so maybe Mary Gravitt getting on the bus right. just today <laughs> right <laughs> but uh, uh, we maybe could consider consultant uh, we, there's always talk about consultant and as this article mentioned about consultants and we've used this method as we've talked about today for for many other uh, projects and uh, together with even public input uh, and uh, uh, a consultant, um, it would be money well spent, I think, to, to at least take a look at it. You'll see that in our budget recommendation to you. It will yeah. will include consultant dollars for Good. this purpose. Good. Do we do we talk to um, the university in terms of their CAMBUS routes? Because I mean, I, I've begun to think that if CAMBUS were to run down through riverfront crossings to say the new city park. Um, that would be a wonderful thing. I mean, Cambus is, its headways are like what you would expect in a major city. Mm -hmm. right. and, and that, if we could have strong connectivity to an area where we are really promoting uh, in terms of development, I think that would really help activate riverfront crossings. Yeah, our staffs do do talk and collaborate quite a bit. It gets channeled through the MPO. Um, those discussions do quite often, but I don't know if there's ever been discussions with CAMBUS taking off-campus routes. They, they do cover some off-campus areas, but they tend to be en route to Oakdale okay. or en route to a river landing where there's other university facilities. I guess I think of riverfront crossings as being de facto student housing. You know, in that regard, it it is part of the campus, maybe not formally, but um, many people who will live down there will be part of the university. Just like kind of an, an interesting aside, um, Ames, I know their like CAN bus is effectively the, their city transit as well. So just kind of like, in terms of precedent of university towns collaborating with the cities, like I think it's an interesting model to look at and even copy. Okay, any other topics for September 21? Oh, I just wanted to, the uh, IP3, the Amazon HQ2 wish list. Uh, I, I found that very encouraging. I felt many of the initiatives council is taking, the city is taking, uh, are reflected in that wish list. Um, and then the notion of economic development is about growing from within as sort of an overarching philosophy uh, is something that I think um, you know, we're doing well in that regard. I notice how it emphasized the importance of, as it describes it, connected and sustainable placemaking, mm -hmm. which is really what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Cultural diversity. <laughs> and cultural mm -hmm. diversity, promoting an inclusive culture and having a diverse population. So, yeah. Let's go to September 28. That fact sheet, thank you. Yes. On IP number six, uh, the joint meeting agenda items. So uh, Kelly asked us to identify any possible items that we would want to have discussed at the joint meeting. And I'm embarrassed to admit I didn't think about it. So 
Hmm. Makerspace policy. Yeah. Could do. Yeah. Uh, so mm -hmm. we could um, just put it on the agenda. And usually, you know, how things usually go, since we put it on the agenda, we would have to talk yep. about it, right? Who's going to lead that discussion? Are you looking yeah. for staff to lead that discussion, or is that a? <laughs> I'll, need, like I'll need some me. help on that. <laughs> well, I'll, well, I'll, I'll request that Steve submit that written material as a starting point. How about that? And he had submitted a memo to you. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, he gave me some written material. Yeah. yeah. So that might be a starting point for the discussion. For the others on yeah. the joint, uh, yeah. in the joint meeting to read yep. as well. And, and what, during the meeting, you would speak briefly well, about I think just it, to what? gauge whether there's any interest at all. And if we get glassy eyes and say no, then okay. we'll have to reevaluate that. Right. It would just so be a short. It's for us, Jeff. Yeah. Okay. But you, uh, you I'll you'll ask, ask Steve. Steve, yes. Any other topics for the joint meeting? That's hot. What's coming up? <laughs> yeah. Well, we have the Did radio the show. The radio well, no, show. I'm trying to want to see if there are any other joint uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. items. I missed them. We're drawing a blank. Okay, KXIC. October 18th is what I have. I'd like to request. I'll take November 1st. I'll take November 15th. Hold on. Oh. Kelly's got to write all this down. Are, are you up to date with the three of them? Okay. What What's in October? I Just to bring this up, uh, when I was on this last Wednesday, he asked if we could bring our student liaison right. to one of the meeting or one of the, the talks. And so I'll take whatever one's coming up in the next couple of weeks. And if that works out, I'd like Benj Benjamin to go with me. Yeah, we're, we're free any Wednesday, so. Okay. So, Kelly, there are only three dates I can do because of other things I'm committed to doing. I can only do it on the 11th, the 25th, or November the 1st. So I'm happy to do any one of those, but. So 25th, I, if you want to do the 11th, I'll do the 25th. Okay, and you'll do it with Ben? Yep. Okay, does that sound all right That's to you? October 25th. So I'll then? do the 11th, right? Has the 15th been taken in November? I'll do eighth. Everybody has at least one? I don't think. Uh, Kingsley's doing mine tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so what do you have oh, left? December 6th. November 22nd, November 29th, December 6th. I'll do the 22nd. I'll take the 29th. What? Do we need December 6th then? Yes. I'll do that. Kind of a farewell. Uh, farewell. Well, there you go. Just give them all December. Yeah, yeah mm. just what I need for my December. <laughs> a little hey, busy then. Ask them if you could do the show. Yeah, the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes I do. <laughs> Kelly, right, right before our meeting, you and I talked about inserting department heads. Tell me I can just keep coming. <laughs> Hold on, everybody. Yep. Right before our meeting started, Kelly and I had talked about something we had discussed as a council, I don't know, several meetings ago about enabling department heads to appear in this sequence. So um, it'd be good That's if somebody 
would say, okay, I'll, I'll forego my opportunity and make space for a, for a department head. If you can find somebody for the 29th, I mean, it's up to or, you. Um, you guys. Or, or you know, we can come with you, too. You yeah. can, if, particularly if there's a topic you want to address that it would be helpful to have a staff member there to support you to get into more more of the details we can do it that way too <coughs> however however you all want to do it so who wants to come tomorrow what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> rent abatement is going to be a huge topic yeah well you're you're on tomorrow so yeah that's what i'm saying I'm on tomorrow. Yeah. we're switching because of the conference yeah. You're asking whether a do we want staff to come yeah, tomorrow? That's not how short I, uh, I can see what I can do. <laughs> Dennis Bockenstell. That's too good. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's how many staff people are all starting with? to wander out yeah. the door now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty short notice. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're all by yourself, Kingsley. Mm, how about the 11th? That that's my gig. So on the 11th, somebody could join me. Okay. Is that October 11th or November? Yeah, October 11th. October. October 11th. Uh, November 8th. And I don't know who would come with me. I don't know if it'd be Eleanor or Jeff or Tracy or John or I, I don't know who. Well, we we can talk tomorrow. I don't know how this typically works. Do you submit to KXIC what you want to talk about or do they? Yes, yeah, no. that's when we walk in the door. Yeah. When you Pretty walk much. in the door, right. So, so if you we could send say one of the department heads, that's what they're going to talk yeah. about yeah. that day. Well, it would be easy easy enough for us to, um, for each, just based on time of year and what's been on the council packets, to develop a list of three or four bullet points um, and share that with you before you head into the, the meeting, give you some talking points. Um, we can We can work on that on our end. It's a pretty complicated topic, tough to talk about uh, on the radio, you know, what in the space of 12 minutes or something. Which topic? Which sorry, rent. The, oh, the, rent. Oh, oh. Okay. Well, not, I'm sorry, not rent abatement. I, I was thinking about the whole uh, neighborhood stabilization oh, topic no. when I said that. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. No. I almost think it's better to just forego and have a staff member if they're, I almost think it's better for them, for us to just forego and have a staff member go to talk about a key area within a department. Because to Jim's point, you really, yeah, it's only 10 minutes. You know, I always get about 18 because I never shut up. Yeah. <laughs> in and out. In and out. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I agree. I think it would be better to have a, a, a staff members, department heads, periodically appear. So maybe so, let's do like a once a month, for now. At least too much. I was I was I was thinking. Two out of the next nine, so that seven council members do their thing, and then interspersed would be a couple department heads. So I'm sharing my first one with Ben yeah. in the the liaison, so that's kind of taking one of those. So we can do November eighth. So October 11th and November 8th? Well, no, I, I guess I was backing off from the October 11th thing. Oh, but, okay. Uh, so, you know, if the idea is to have the department head there by herself or himself, then it'd be best to, you know, be clear about what dates 
that would occur. So okay. you just suggested a date, right? Did yeah, just not, I won't do November 8th and then have that be a department one. Yeah, so it could be on November 8th. And Jeff, you could choose the department head to do that. And then it'd be good if we. Yeah, I've got the first. So does Terry, well, Terry's going with you, I guess, which I think is fine for now. I mean, basically, if every time we do this, we reserve one of them for department head, that would basically get at what you're trying to do, Jim. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'd have to look nine. Yeah, roughly. Nine, uh, KSIC yeah. 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 Roughly, yeah. At a time. Super soaker. Yeah. All right, so we'll, the staff will take November 8th. Cool. Okay. Correct? Yeah. Yep. Everything else is programmed? Yeah. Yep. And if, okay. if council at any point in the future want staff to come along to talk about a particular topic, let us know. And if you want help coming up with a list of topics to talk about, let us know. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, can we move on to our last topic, which is new for work sessions? Council updates on assigned boards, commissions, and committees. Let me kind of model what at least what I had in mind by describing this uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau meeting on September the 21st. I'm a member of the board. So at that meeting, Josh reported that the Fry Fest and the Cyclocross World Cup were both great successes in, in September, and that the World Cup uh, event had proceeded much more smoothly this year. And luckily, they didn't have a thunderstorm that kind of wiped out everything uh, <laughs> on one of the nights. He also pointed to a few forthcoming events, something called Grand Gable on October the 1st, also, World Cup Wrestling next April. Run Crandick, a marathon that's going to take place on April the 29th of next year. And that's going to go, uh, listen up, Kingsley, because I want you to run. Yeah. That's going to go from New Bow in Cedar Rapids to Kennick Stadium. And there's going to be a party at Big Grove afterwards. Are you ready? Am I ready? <laughs> I uh, also reported that Iowa City is, I think you all know, applied to be a stop in next summer's RAGBRAI event. And if the application is approved, the bicyclists are very likely to stop overnight here on one day in late July. So we'll have to see whether the application gets approved. So anyhow, it's a you know, typical meeting, and that's the kind of stuff that is typically reported. Who else? Maybe we can start with Rockney. Cause I have a really good update. Um, so I'm on the City of Literature Board, and from October 8th through October 15th is the, is the Iowa City Book Festival. And people can find out everything that's going to happen at iowacitybookfestival.org. Uh, John Kenyon continues to do a fantastic job fully bringing in this concept of really what it means to be a UNESCO City of Literature, and the work that he and the board have done is, is just incredible. So I encourage everyone to check out all those events various volunteer opportunities and it's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be Iowa City at its best. Yeah, I, I want to add on that, add to that just a little bit. Uh, uh, Sadek Mohammed, who is the director of Baghdad City of Literature, is going to be here and will be speaking in one of the panels. So I'm pretty excited about that and I, I look forward to seeing Sadek again. And also a poet I met while flying back from Burlington, Vermont, uh, is a, a, a um, I would, uh, what, I'm sorry, um, a Bel Belgian Palestinian poet and I had a fabulous conversation with her on a, on the plane and I'm sure she's going to make a, be reading some poetry during the book festival yeah anyhow Terry 
the last, I just had a paratransit meeting, but it was back in August, so I don't have a lot to report on that. Uh, the, uh, my last meeting will be probably in, I think it's toward the end of November. So I will be reporting on that, and then we need to appoint a new person to that committee, because that'll be my last paratransit meeting. So I'll report on that, and then I don't know whether Pauline would be interested in that, or you can appoint when you have to do that, okay. so. Mr. Botchway. So no new update. So I'm the Criminal Justice Coordinating Committee. No new update. There's a separate subcommittee that's been doing some work around um, some data collection um, in regards to, I think, work that was probably discussed or talked about about a year and a half ago um, around kind of a coordinated effort around our um, our different jurisdictions as far as relevant data. Um, some of that was in regards to the police, but they we had talked about pretty extensively that the Iowa City Police Department does a really good job collecting some of the information. Um, some of our other municipalities um, don't necessarily collect the same information, so it, it was tough to have that kind of apples to apples comparison um, from a from a kind of county level standpoint. Um, but basically, they hired a person to um, you know kind of review what you know, I would say our nexus points um, within the kind of adjudication process where we see or we see some disproportionality that happens. And this is kind of in along the ways of, along the lines of some of the work that Latasha Deloach has done um, with the um, DMC committee, disproportionate minority contact. And so um, I don't have any information because we haven't met um, in a while. Um, but I can, I'll, I'll present something next council meeting, but that's where it stands right now. They hired somebody and um, they're looking at those uh, data points. Susan? Um, had a number of meetings with the uh, Behavioral Access Center, both at the steering committee level and the governance committee. I would say we're making um, some good progress on trying to get some of the details worked out as to um, potential management of the facility, um, partnerships between whoever might manage that, and um, nonprofits in the, that are already doing a lot of that type of work in the community. And basically, if we can get some of those details pulled together, then I think the governance committee is going to be in a better position to actually come back to our councils um, and the board of supervisors to actually start talking hard money uh, for a facility. So. Mm -hmm. um, we certainly have asked, you know, to put a, a uh, placeholder in our budget uh, for some of that, and we've encouraged everybody else uh, to please do the same. So, I'm hoping that um, we've, we've got an important meeting coming up the first part of November that will kind of clarify or at least bring together more of the details that we need. And so, I'm hoping by the first of the year that we'll be seeing some real progress. So just there's a lot, a lot of details to work out. Yeah. So okay. but we're making progress. Good deal. John? Well, many of us are on the MPO JC board. Um, <clears throat> we had a meeting on September 20th. I, I wouldn't say anything earth shattering uh, <laughs> took place at that meeting. It was mostly housekeeping, I would say. Um, one thing coming up will be this question of the federal aid swap in Iowa, whereby state funding could replace federal funding on certain infrastructure projects, that's something council may be interested in um, looking at more carefully. 
Uh, as you know, I'm um, the council rep to the Invest Health uh, program, which ladies, Tracy included, uh, did a great job of giving a presentation on it. So um, if, if you don't remember, it's uh, uh, 50 cities across the country received a planning grant from uh, the Robert Wood Johnson uh, Foundation and the Reinvestment Fund uh, to uh, work together, bringing together a diverse team of folks that normally wouldn't have worked together uh, to come up with solutions to uh, bettering health and quality of life in particularly lower income neighborhoods in their community. And uh, I'm pleased that uh, our Iver City Group has recently received a lot of media attention. Uh, you may have seen it, Channel 9 News interviewed us. We were trying to have a meeting and they called uh, Tracy and said, we want to interview you. And before we knew it, they showed up at the Java House right there with their camera and everything and, and uh, did an interview. But it was uh, they did a really lovely piece and showed it on the 9 o'clock news. And uh, Tracy did a good job and Vicki did a good job of uh, talking about it. But it's also um, uh, University of Iowa publication uh, did an article about it, I think, which spurred the Channel 9 uh, interview, as well as the Invest Health Group itself uh, in their um, recent newsletter to all 50 of the cities uh, highlighted uh, the Iowa City Group and what we've we've done. And I, I think we've uh, accomplished quite a bit. Um, we've engaged the residents to participate. And so they, they are some of our stakeholders also, as well as mental health groups in the hospitals. And we've got a lot of projects that we're working on that we're excited about. I, um, I think in uh, some of our minutes from the Housing uh, Commission uh, talked about the uh, Healthy Homes Initiative, uh, which uh, Tracy's been a big part of that, a partnership uh, with many groups, Free Medical Clinic, College of Nursing, um, and let's see, the school-based, Iowa City school-based uh, clinics to provide in-home asthma education, go into the homes, and uh, uh, also uh, the $75,000 uh, grant through the Housing Trust Fund to help improve if they, when they go into the homes and they find that there's moisture or mold or, or carpet that's, you know, we found that carpet is a big instigator for asthma attacks. So, you know, those kinds of things. So we're really excited about that. Uh, we're hoping uh, to uh, do a walking and socialization program because a lot of the folks said they didn't know their neighbors and they uh, weren't just getting out and about or anything. And we've got some really fun plans uh, uh, to do that, get them out and about and even maybe uh, get them to walk to the neighborhood IV and, and meet with the dietitian and learn about healthy foods and those kinds of things. And that's really fun. And we can't take claim to the uh, the bike program, but uh, a lot of the children, the 15 children that were involved in getting the uh, free bikes, the free wheels program, uh, uh, were part of our, were members of our community. So I think that's going to be uh, a big plus too, as far as increasing their health and, and getting them out and about too. So so that's good. So uh, we have a. a we do our national convenings, but we also have pod convenings with just some of the committee or some of the cities. And we, Tracy and I, are going to Henderson, Nevada, in a few weeks, um, and that it's going to be community engagement is the theme. And I think uh, uh, we're right up the alley on that and do really well with that. And then our final national convening is in New Orleans. And it's been it's been a tough committee to be on. How come All you this got traveling. on this committee? <laughs> <laughs> Las Vegas and uh, New Orleans and Denver, uh, but that theme uh, is. December 57th, celebration of accomplishments so far and taking plans to the next level. So even though the funding uh, will end in uh, December, uh, we are going to plan to continue and, and uh, continue bonding with the stakeholders and, and folks that we've been working with and have, have our plans. <laughs> it's been fun. Excellent. Thanks, everybody. It's really uh, fun to hear about what everybody's doing. Okay, I guess we're done for our work session tonight. We'll reconvene at 7 p.m. for the formal meeting.